Welcome to Millennial 706. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. So today is uh, my mom, Mama T's, birthday. Aww. And we've just kind of turned it into a weekend-long celebration. You know, it's like weird to have a pandemic birthday. Those just hit different. I'm sure everyone's noticed. Mm -hmm. And typically, we would take her out to some of her favorite bars, maybe go see a concert. And so since we can't do any of that... We've just been partying here at the house for three days straight, and it's been a ton of fun. That's cute. Yeah, drunk Mario Kart with my mom. Man, Mama T sounds so cool. She is very (laughs) cool. Did you see that Joe Biden played Mario Kart over the weekend, like one of the arcade machines? Yeah, one of his grandchildren posted it, right? Yeah, and apparently he like plays all the time. That's the impression I got from that Instagram story. I was like, damn, he's like probably the oldest person to play Mario Kart. (laughs) Is your mom a good Mario Kart player? She is pretty good. Okay, my mom's terrible. Absolutely awful. Oh, no. My mom does pretty well. She holds her own. Okay. So Pat and I, you know, we like to go to national parks. We went to Death Valley over the weekend uh, just on Sunday. It's actually surprisingly close to Vegas. It's only about two hours from here. Once we discovered that, Death Valley quickly came onto our radar. When you see photos of it, it's like, okay, it's a valley. Those aren't entirely uncommon in California and out west in general. But once you go, it's really stunning, larger than life, and the pictures really don't do it justice. We went to Badwater Basin, which is the lowest point in North America. And at Badwater Basin, there are the salt flats. And salt, I still haven't looked into this all the way, but salt somehow forms across Badwater Basin, and it forms into these polygon shapes. It kind of looks like the back of a turtle or something. Um, And the further you walk out in this area the more undisturbed these salt flats are. So we went out pretty far. Really incredible. Of course, like the child that I am who picks food out of uh, leftovers in the hotel hallways, I uh, licked the salt on Earth, the lowest point in North America. And it can confirm it definitely is salt, but just a really beautiful area. And um, if anybody has the chance to get to uh, Death Valley, you should definitely go because it's it's very cool. Yeah, that sounds amazing. Another post pandemic bucket list item it was very good for like pat and i aren't really into valentine's day so we're like why don't we to celebrate valentine's day let's go to the lowest driest hottest place in north america which seems appropriate sounds like your dream come true yeah (laughs) yeah the only thing lower is my depression in north america (laughs) a little dark humor for everybody man that oof that's real (laughs) that's a real feeling no i'm not i'm not that bad off Great place. Uh, we're looking forward to going back. Well, speaking of things that are heavy in salt, um, I would just like to say thank you to all of the fast food <laughs> restaurants for reminding me that Ash Wednesday is coming up because I would forget unless I saw those special deals on the fish sandwiches <laughs> and fish tacos. Good for you so. for honoring Ash Wednesday. I don't though. know if like, I mean, I look, you give me too much credit. I'm a very bad Catholic at best, mm-hmm. but... You know, it makes my grandparents happy if I ask them first before they ask me. (laughs) So I try my best. Isn't it fascinating how fast food places will be like, oh, Ash Wednesday is coming up. We got to do something for the Christians. You know, like, oh, my God. But then, like, you know, when it comes to vegetarians and vegans, there's not as much of a rush, even though those people need to eat year round. Whereas, you know, people who honor Ash Wednesday (laughs) are only skipping it a few weeks out of the year. 40 (laughs) days. 
Yeah, I mean, come Not on. Not even 40 days. It's like, yeah, it's whatever. Yeah, Not I know. Not to mention, I'm sure that there are other uh, dietary needs that come from a variety of other religious backgrounds that don't get recognized in mainstream uh, chain 100%. restaurants in this country. So yeah. That's yeah. so true. But but remember, you know, there's a war on Christianity in America, y'all. Yeah. Right. Oh, yeah. Oh, God. Can you imagine all these places started pulling their fish sandwiches and like, like Sean Hannity is like two for one fish sandwiches at McDonald's this year. That's how you know that Christianity's dying. Oh, my God. I will say, though, Chick-fil-A's fish sandwich is legit. Oh, maybe I'll try that. Because it is the one? only they do. That makes sense because the... they're religious, too. Yeah. They're like super religious. It's the only fast food fish sandwich that I trust. Did you see Popeyes is doing a new one? I keep seeing press about that. A fish sandwich oh, or just no, a chicken sandwich? <laughs> no, a fish sandwich. Just oh, in time okay. for Lent. Yeah. Ah, perfect. Wow. That's so funny how they, they like decide that Lent is the time to strategically release this stuff. Right. That's what I'm realizing now, thanks to you bringing this up today, that Popeye's just debuted it because of Lent coming up. Ugh. Yeah. Well, I learned something new recently um, that was kind of like perplexing to me, but at the same time, sounds about right. Apparently, skinny jeans are out. Pam, did you know this? No. <laughs> I did, but I didn't. I, I'm, I've heard talk on TikTok, but I'm yeah. choosing to ignore. Yeah. So apparently... Uh, pants that are more reminiscent of things that we wore in the 90s and probably things that our parents wore in the 70s are coming back. Um, I, I'm still attached to my skinny jeans. You know, I I totally respect like I remember the first time I saw skinny jeans. I thought they looked ridiculous and dumb, but then they grew on me. So, you know, maybe the Gen Zeros will change their mind. But yeah, it took a lot for me to make the switch. So mm -hmm. I just feel like it's going to take a lot to switch back. But I will say that, like, I don't know if I am necessarily opposed to a flare. I remember bell bottoms were not that bad. They it, Well, it's bad if you don't get them tailored, right? Because then they would just rip at the bottoms. Do you remember this, Laura? Oh, and then it, God, it would yeah. rain and it would just, like, crawl up until your calf was all wet. Yep. Oh, my God, this is bringing back memories for me because I was um, I went through a growth spurt a little bit later than most people. Um, so in my early adolescent years, I was too short to wear bell bottoms. Um, by the time like we found a pair that fit me, they would be like eight miles too long. And it wouldn't make any sense to get those because we'd have to hem them and then there would be no bell bottom on them anymore. Um, so there could be like a, a like a child version of me living inside that would be very thrilled to be able to wear bell bottoms at this point in my life. Um, but it is certainly interesting. Like I pulled a couple of links from um, Everlane and then uh, ASOS. And they're both types of jeans that I would have seen on people <laughs> when we were kids. That's really funny. Uh, and it's and I'm sure that they're very reminiscent of things that our parents saw when they were growing up because the stuff all recycles itself. So I'm sure one day Gen Z is going to turn 30 and skinny jeans will be back in. <laughs> hey, did you also hear that apparently middle parts are how they tell if you're old? Uh, yeah. Or I'm sorry, the other way around, side parts. Yeah. If you have a side part, they're all about yeah. the middle part now. They're all about oh, the middle yeah. part. You know, I, <laughs> I 
saw what somebody the other day was like, I can't do a middle part without looking like Jared Leto. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, wow, because I tried to do one on myself and I was like, it just doesn't look right. I don't think my hair falls that way. Yeah, my hair naturally falls to the side. So it just looks funky. Is the pivot away from skinny jeans a result from the pandemic by chance? Because I'm just thinking like over the past year. I only wear jeans when I go out. And of course, we're going out less. So I'm wearing jeans less. And now when I put them on, I'm like, oh, this is so uncomfortable. I prefer the pants or shorts that I'm sitting around all day in at home. And like when I go out and I'm wearing jeans while I'm out and then I come back, I'm immediately taking those jeans off. I won't be caught dead in this house wearing jeans. So I'm wondering if something a little more relaxed is the result of the pandemic. I don't know. How are people going to go back to skinny fitting things? Maybe. For, well, okay. Look, if you're a girl, most like maybe even if you're, if you're, um, you know, a guy, maybe you've been living in leggings. I know I have. Those are pretty skin tight. Same. Um, I don't know about for flares, though, because bell bottoms are tight until you get to the knee. And so it's not really like relieving anything because most of the uh-huh. time when you're talking about tight jeans, you're like, oh, it's like really tight on my waist and that's uncomfortable. Yeah. So, okay. yeah, I won't wear jeans, period, right now. Like, I cannot <laughs> tell you the last time I put on a pair of jeans. It's exclusively been sweatpants and leggings. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And I'm kind of scared, to be honest. I'm afraid of the day when I go to put my jeans back on. Um, I did start to put them on the other day, but just like the feeling. (laughs) Like you pulled them up to your knees and you're like, no. Well, it was, yeah, the feeling of the fabric on my skin felt too heavy. And I was like, oh, no, fuck this. I'm going back to my leggings. I put jeans on the other day just to make sure (laughs) that I had enough. (laughs) You can still fit in them. (laughs) You're like, let me just check this. I was just a little bit worried because I... (laughs) I had probably seen a video or somebody had mentioned like, oh, I put jeans on for the first time and uh, they were hard to buckle. And so I just thought <laughs> I should try it out that and see where, Pam's big see activity where I was for standing. The day. Yeah. And it was it was fine. They still fit. Crisis averted. I've been wearing track pants that I really like just around the house. They're comfortable during the cooler mm-hmm. months. Um, but yeah, it's going to be I don't maybe we're going to see a big shift away from more restrictive clothing i just feel like if you've been at home more over the past year switching back to that stuff is not going to be welcomed maybe just a because of pandemic weight but b you could just realize how uncomfortable these things are plus you also think about more people are going to be working from home going forward you know some businesses have said we're just going to move to a work from home lifestyle permanently now yeah if that happens to me i think i'm just going to have a wardrobe that consists of like soft lined fabrics, mm-hmm. <laughs> nothing else. No structure. No structure. <laughs> well, we're going to turn to um, the folks on our Discord now. We wanted to try out asking you guys a question of the week that we could all banter about on air for a few minutes. Um, for anyone who's interested in this, you can join our Discord by uh, heading over to patreon.com slash millennial and signing up at the $5 support tier. So our question of the week is, what is something you've done that you recommend everyone do before they die? Like, what's your what's something that's on your bucket list yeah. that you've already checked off? Yeah. Discord answer now. You know, I had one. So I've, for a very long time, really been attracted to the idea of skydiving, but I'm honestly too scared to do it. 
-hmm. Like I want to do it, but I'm too scared to do it. And I will say I did go parasailing one time and that felt like uh, a reasonable. (laughs) Yeah. Because if your cable like, snap and you fall, you hit the water. It's not as bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and I'm seeing Sam in the Discord saying skydive. Yeah. Sam, did you actually skydive? It's a common fantasy, I think, because it's like you're on top of the world. It's scary, but exhilarating. It's kind of yeah. funny that you mentioned that because my sisters are both trying to get trained to be skydiving instructors right now. Really? Yeah. They Well, one of them has been living in Hawaii and the other one, I think I mentioned this on the show, she went through a really bad breakup. So she moved to Hawaii after she graduated. And they're just like living their best lives and <laughs> jumping out of planes regularly. And it's it's pretty funny and inspiring. So are they going to make you go? Probably. Yeah, we wanted to go. I We almost did when I was out there a few years ago because my sister, my baby sister was turning 21 and she really wanted to go and she wanted all three of us mm. to go. And I was just like, OK, well, like if we can figure this out, then maybe I would be swayed because she hardly ever asks me for anything. But it did not work out. So I dodged a bullet because I don't think I was <laughs> mentally ready. So what would be your one thing, Pam? Um, I would say like uh, traveling alone. Um, mm. It doesn't have to be very far. Um, I did a lot of this when I was out in New York for a couple of months. I would just like go to random nearby cities that I'd never been to, like Boston and stuff like that. And just, you know... Um, get to know new places. I think it yeah. can be kind of scary and it definitely forces you out of your comfort zone because you have to do things like eat by yourself. Um, dinner is like the hardest, I think, for most people because most people don't eat dinner alone. But I think it's just really good to to learn how to be comfortable on your own. Yeah. yeah. And I think it, it gives you a lot more time to think, think in a new environment. Yeah. yeah. Meet new people because when you're mm-hmm. alone, if you're, let's say you're at dinner eating by yourself, you're if you're doing that, you might be at the bar in the restaurant. And yeah. of course, that is a place where conversations with strangers will usually be had. Mm-hmm. Uh, for me, similar and getting back to what I brought up at the top of the show, uh, traveling, but going to, a, I'll just, I'll try to be more specific and say, take go to a place that will take your breath away. You can Google that for some ideas, but one place would be like the Grand Canyon. That is a place where when you look out on it, you can't believe your eyes. It looks like a painting. And like with Pam's idea, I think it's a good way to clear your head. And it's so refreshing to have these new experiences. Like even after going to Death Valley for a few hours yesterday, I feel very refreshed. Yeah, you guys are like hitting the nail right on the head with what folks are saying. Ashley said travel internationally alone. Michelle says get out of your hometown. Katie suggested hiking an active lava flow. Andrew, do you think you would do that? An active lava flow? I don't think so. (laughs) There's a crater at Death Valley as the result of lava, I think. So I'll do that, but that's not active. (laughs) Liza says snorkeling in the Galapagos. Sam is recommending going to Prague. Um, Shelby's recommending aerial dancing. I'm not sure what that is, but it sounds maybe like... Oh, is that like the ribbon? (laughs) Like you get on the... um, Yeah, the The ribbons. Yeah, the other ribbons, but they're not... Like Cirque du Soleil stuff. Okay. that's yeah. See, that fun. sounds fun, but I feel like it would actually be really hard. <laughs> yeah, I, I have a friend Probably. who does that, and she shows me videos sometimes. It just looks so cool. I don't know if I have the strength to do it. but Oh, Sam did confirm that, um, yes, they went skydiving, also bungee jumping and paragliding. That's brave. 
I like watching those videos of people bungee jumping. Yeah. But I don't think I could Maybe go. Maybe over like a body of water, just in case, like you were saying. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. That's higher though. Like parasailing isn't as high. Like you can still die making contact contact with with water, right? You can, yes, but I was you... trying to forget. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, "Thanks, Andrew." <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Rachel also pointed out going to the movies by yourself is a lot of fun. Yeah. Um I, I know that. Pam yeah. This is something you've talked about quite a bit. Oh yeah, I nice do it all the is. time. Uh, on it, but you see here's the thing. You really don't talk to anybody that you go to the movies with anyway. So once you get right. past that, it's fine. And most theaters now, they let you pick your seat. So you don't have to do like that awkward, where am I going to sit situation. But like, if you're really, you know, stressing out about this and, and you want to try when theaters open back up, just like, you know, pick a matinee and roll up right when the trailers start. And that way yeah. everybody's seated and you can sit far away from people <laughs> if you don't want to sit close to them and um and it's just it's a good way to to get your feet wet if this is something that you struggle with i've always thought about that social expectation made of us that we need to go to movies together when to your point pam we don't talk to each other during the movie so why has that been like the hot date yeah like yeah. you talk before and after of course you might go to dinner before or after but still for the majority of the date or the just night out, you're not talking to each other. Maybe that's why people secretly like it. It's because it's it's something you don't have to uh, carry on any conversation during. I think I think well, for it a... takes the pressure off, right? Yeah. 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 And I think for a date too, if like if you're going to a movie and then after going for dinner or going to drinks after, it helps with the conversation because you at least have something you can talk about. You can talk about the movie, so it's yeah, an easy true. escape goat but it is kind of weird to just like sit in the dark next to a stranger for yeah. you know two hours fair and yeah. like what if they don't like the movie but you love it oh well that's how you know the relationship can't continue that's so true. actually it's, it's like therapy that's a good really point. well a good note to end this on before we get into some politics shelby says tell your friends that you love them that's sweet well, that's sweet you can that's, expand that to so family true. too <laughs> no seriously <laughs> Sorry, that just sounded funny to me. <laughs> we have one sponsor this week, and this is the only one that will actually save you money. It's Honey. Honey? Honey is the free browser extension that scours the internet for promo codes and applies the best one it finds to your cart. Honey supports over 30,000 stores online. They range from sites that have tech and gaming products to popular fashion brands and even food delivery. And yes, Amazon too. Really anyone. They support every site that I've encountered and shopped on. Imagine you're shopping on one of your favorite sites, and when you check out, the Honey button drops down, and all you have to do is click Apply Coupons. Wait a few seconds as Honey searches for coupons you can use, and then it automatically applies them. As I put our new home together, Honey has saved me a lot of money shopping for decorations like art and plants. The best part about Honey is that you install it, and then you forget it. Whenever you're on a checkout page of a store, Honey will automatically spring into action. That means you will never forget to use a coupon and you'll always be saving money whenever a coupon is available. It's really the best. Honey has saved users over $2 billion 
at this point. Billion with a B. And it's time for you to jump in on the action as well. If you don't already have Honey, you could be straight up missing out on free savings. It's literally free and installs in a few seconds. And by getting it, you'll be doing yourself a solid and supporting the show. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. That's joinhoney.com slash M-I-L-L. Make sure you use that URL so that they know we sent you. Again, no brainer. You got to do it. And we love saving you money, honey. Well, speaking of something that you can get on the cheap, um, 43 Republican senators voted to acquit uh, former President Donald Trump in his impeachment trial on Saturday. That might sound weird because 51 of them voted, or excuse me, more than that. It was uh, all Democrats plus seven Republicans voted to uh, convict him. So another example in this country of how we can't figure out that the person or people with the most votes wins. Yeah. But here we are. Um, We did do a breaking news installment for this. So if you're interested in hearing our initial reactions to this, we recorded just a few minutes after uh, this acquittal um, made headlines. You can head on over to patreon.com slash millennial to give that a listen. Um, But I thought we could talk quickly about what we think this means for the upcoming midterm elections in 2022. Mm. Um, How do we see this impacting both parties? Obviously not the Democrats' preferred outcome. Yeah. Well, because Biden may have won because a lot of people in this country wanted to see Trump prosecuted or just lose, I think maybe this is helpful for the Dems in 2022 and 2024. If the Dems, if people on the left continue to be really angry about Trump getting off. You know, they might want to continue keeping Dems in office in a big way, get more people into the Senate as well to do things like abolish the filibuster and keep Republicans out and get Mitch out. Yeah, I guess on the flip side, you know, this could be a point of interest for Republicans looking to, you know, drum up more passion in the GOP fan base, you know, using these numbers like, well, yeah, like your fave Trump got off, but look at how close it was. This is why we need to make sure that it doesn't happen again, that we get the right kind of people into office and stuff like that. So I think it's kind of a bit of a double-edged sword, right? Yeah. On that note, um, it was actually announced today that David Perdue, who ran against and lost to John Ossoff, um, in this most recent cycle, will be running against uh, Raphael Warnock in 2022. Um, so I think that's exactly the, the approach they're going to take, Pam, um, is like, look, you know, you elected radical liberal Raphael Warnock. Look what he did. He almost got our president convicted. Right. Um, I, I think what's interesting about this is that even though the majority of GOP senators voted to acquit. Mitch literally turned around right after making his acquittal vote and said that Trump was morally responsible for the Capitol riot. But I don't want to convict him. Yeah. So his whole excuse is, oh, well, we couldn't do it because he was no he's not a sitting president. So you can't convict him for something he did while he was in office. And they were trying to make the argument that this impeachment trial was unconstitutional 
um, which also fell flat on its face. But also, but M- Mitch pushed the impeachment trial until after January 20th. Yes. He's the reason it happened as late as it did, because he refused to reconvene the Senate. Oh, my bad. I didn't realize I was making a lot of trouble there. Yeah. Well... Obviously, the Republican Party is trying to walk a very thin line between getting away from Trump, but also not pissing off the Trump base. Mm -hmm. Nikki Haley went on the record as saying that it was a mistake to follow Trump. Republicans need to, you know, stop like Republicans need to never nominate him again, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Mitch McConnell was also saying like, you know, Trump can be uh, dealt with through our country's justice system. So basically encouraging <laughs> encouraging these states to pursue their lawsuits against him. Yeah. Um, but I think that this could be really sticky for them in terms of strategy, because if the next two years, all we hear about is Trump being brought down in these lawsuits, then come midterm time, the the Democrats can say, Look, see, we were right, and they knew we were right, and they just didn't do anything. Yeah. So I don't, like, do you guys think that the Republican Party is going to have to split? Are we going to see that happen? I don't think we're going to. I see why you think it could, but I just, how, what would that look like? They would still all be one party. They're not going to create a new party. There's going to be a split in the party, but then how would that pan out? I don't know. Somehow they'll get their shit together and work this out because I agree it's very fractured right now, but Mitch and other leaders, I don't think we'll let this continue. I mean, look at, look at Kevin McCarthy. He said that what Trump did around January 6th was wrong or something like that. I'm forgetting. Sorry. But then, so he and Trump were at odds and then what ends up happening? McCarthy flies down to Mar-a-Lago and, and makes up with Trump. So you're just going to see stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's just very interesting looking at how these um, state Republican parties are making an example of the representatives and the senators who voted to impeach and convict. Um, Many of those state parties have censured (laughs) these um, congressional leaders for being in the minority amongst their party and voting that Donald Trump should be impeached and convicted. Um, So it's going to be very interesting to see, do these Republicans over the next couple of years tend to, you know, continue bucking tradition or are they going to fall into line? Um, Historically, yeah, I mean, historically, that's what they always do. So definitely just something that we can watch out for. But it is interesting because I remember this time last election cycle, there were discussions going on about is the Democratic Party going to split because mm. we did see so much change happening in the party at that time. And what do we do? We put together some unity and the Republicans yeah. will find unity, too, within their own party. <laughs> It'll be so beautiful. So it's still February. It's still Black History Month. And I wanted to bring up this story that was coming out of Utah. Um, I think some national publications picked it up. So you might have already heard about this. But if not, basically what what happened was there is a public school out in North Ogden and they sent out an opt out form for any parent wishing to excuse their kid from the school's planned Black History Month curriculum. Uh, The school did not disclose how many parents actually filled the form out, but it must have been a sizable amount 
amount because less than a week later, the school announced that all families would be participating and that the school wouldn't be offering an option not to participate. Um, in a statement, the school's principal and its board of directors said that they were grateful that families initially had questions and concerns and that they were all able to come to the table and figure out how to move this forward. Um, the city where this took place has a population of a little bit over 19,000 and is 94.2% white, according to the U.S. Census Bureau. Uh, so Utah law is kind of crazy, and it gives parents a fair bit of control over what their kids are taught. And parents can opt out of curriculum based on religious beliefs or strongly held convictions. So um, I guess there's always a bit of a loophole when you don't want your kid to learn a particular piece of history out in that uh, state. You might not know the answer to this, but I wonder what happens when you do opt out. Because mm. what about the people who opted in? Like, yeah. you suddenly split up the classes? or You know what? That I'm not sure about. And I was thinking about this in terms of my own grade school and high school experience. And I can only remember one instance in which an opt-out form was sent home. And it was for sex education classes. Yep. Same. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. I'd be surprised that this is still happening in uh, 2021, though. Yeah. You know? I mean, yeah, I'm not surprised. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Utah was one of the last states to recognize Martin Luther King Day. They only recognized it in 2000, I believe it was. Um, so, yeah, that's the kind of shit that trickles down. I'm trying to think back to, like, my curriculum. And we definitely, you know, would look at black history during black history month especially um but i'm thinking about like we watched roots like all however many million episodes there was that was like the big assignment on the history of black people in america my school was also very white so i'm trying to remember if there was like any just general whitewashing but i don't think so do you feel like well and this is a good question for both of you um do you feel like the schools that you went to did an adequate job teaching you about black history? No. Probably not. No, and and I went to you know, I have examples of going to both like a very diverse school and also an incredibly white school. And I can't honestly say that we learned like we didn't go deep. Like it it always felt like um the lesson was just sort of surrounding this nebulous idea of racism that was just sort of existing in our universe. And slavery was a long time ago. That that was something that they always really mischaracterized how that was not long ago and how it was very likely for some of the people sitting in the room that they had great-great-grandparents who were slaves. And I think that you do a big disservice to children by not driving home that this didn't happen very long ago. And when you don't drive home that slavery's not the only terrible thing this country has done to Black people. Um, I never learned about Tulsa or Black Wall Street or Juneteenth yeah. or... The civil rights movement in any great detail, apart from listening to Martin Luther King speeches, <laughs> like 
they really only went surface level. And I feel like when you do that and you combine that with lots of black and white photos, you make people think that this is really old history. It's old news, but it's not. So I I feel like that was the biggest failing of my schooling experience with regards to black history is that it it's not made to feel real. Mm. Yeah, I think with for me growing up in the San Francisco Bay Area, which is very liberal, the thing that was maybe inadvertently really uh, driven home is this. This is a thing that happened in a very far away land, you know, yep. and none of the, those kinds of people live where we live because we're so tolerant and. Um, XYZ. But then you get older and you realize that like racism is a problem that stretches far beyond, you know, the deep south. There's racism yep. that happens in California, too. I'm sure there's racism. I know there's racism that happens in the Bay Area. So it's it's Everywhere. just kind of like this thing that is is tainting the entire United States and not no one place is, you know, absolved or um, uh, or has been cleaned of that kind of toxicity but but i did looking back on it i do think it's interesting that 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 was kind of the mindset for better or worse that that we were um sugar-coated with basically yeah you're totally right it, they might as well run the star wars like prelude text right. in a gal. <laughs> A long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Like, that's really what it's made to feel like when you're that young. And you're not given a sense that, like, the people that were doing it were bad. It's sort of just like, oh, somebody waved a magic wand and this is just how it was. (laughs) They weren't bad people. That's just how it was. And it's like, no, can we just level with kids? Like, kids are capable of learning the truth. Like, we don't need to shelter them and then send them off into the real world where they're going to say something (laughs) that is, you know, ignorant and insensitive and not realize what they've done. I just feel like you set kids up for failure when you don't go over these truths. Yeah. Um, I do want to give a little shout out to my junior and senior year English and history teachers, though. I think like out of everybody that has ever taught me before I went to university, even though they were white, they did the best job that they could trying to um, make us think outside the box and uh, put us in uncomfortable positions because most of us were not black. Um, they assigned this project about Brown versus the Board of Education, which when I was in high school was about to celebrate its 50th anniversary for the verdict. And they wanted us to make a documentary about the vestigial remnants of Brown versus the Board of Education. And I think that that was the first time that Anybody that was in that class, including myself, really realized that even though this was something that happened 50 years ago, the trickle down effect is still very much relevant. And it was Mm -hmm. so incredibly eye opening to realize that, you know, at 17 years old, 
a lot of times people don't realize that at all unless they take classes at university that are geared towards talking about the black experience. But if you don't sign up for those electives, then, you know, it's up to you to put in the work. And most people don't because it's uncomfortable. Yeah. And, you know, you raising the point about um, Brown versus the Board of Education. I mean, all of our parents are of the right age group to remember when school integration happened. Like, that's something that needs to be driven home for people. Like, this was not long ago. When our parents were born, schools were segregated. Like, you're reaching back one generation to see the types of things that our history books would lead you to believe are ancient history, and they're just not. One thing we can talk about, maybe, we could probably spend a f- whole episode talking about it yes. on a somewhat lighter note, is what's not taught in schools that abso- absolutely should be. This is obviously yep. one topic, but then there's lighter topics, too, like the stock market or sex ed, uh, things we wish we learned back in the day. Dating. Class on dating. Well, consent, too. I mean, yeah, yeah. there's... It is interesting because I have seen, and and this is a tangent, and I'll move on momentarily, I swear. Um, But I've seen um, my parents were members of a Unitarian church for like a very brief period of time. Um, And it they had like a sex ed program in their Sunday school program, but it was always age appropriate. So like the little kids would learn about like when it's okay to, you know, touch somebody or like asking permission to give somebody a hug and things like that. And so they made it very age appropriate to teach that topic. And I think that you can do that with a lot of other, you know, very sensitive topics. So yeah, you know what, that's a really good point. And I and I, it is kind of interesting that, like, even when you look at uh, the way that um, American Indian history is taught, in grade school like it it just it's such whiplash to go from like the white people were nice to the indians to well actually like we weren't that nice yeah Yeah. you know just like there's a there's a way to frame that for for young children in a way that does not gaslight them later exactly totally agree um well moving forward um in the last week, we learned that the United States has secured 200 million more doses of the COVID vaccine. And Dr. Fauci is saying that anyone who wants to be vaccinated will be able to do so by April. Good. Is this the light at the end of the tunnel? <laughs> it's exciting news. I mean, I feel like I'm seeing more and more people get the vaccine in my social media feeds. And uh, that certainly makes me feel better about I know the rollout is not going perfectly right now, but it does seem like maybe by April, anyone who wants one can get one. And that's cool. Yeah, my yeah, my uh, grandparents are almost through their first doses. So we're really excited about that. My grandma's getting vaccinated tomorrow. We finally convinced her. Yeah. And then it's just 20 days out until they can get their second doses. So I think it feels like the light at the end of the tunnel for sure yeah Yeah. two months from now that's not a long wait at all for the rest of us yeah compared to how long we've been waiting yeah right two months feels (laughs) like nothing fine i'll spend another two months in the house (laughs) okay but what is interesting about this um is you know because each state is handling its rollout a little differently you have some states that are ahead you know far ahead of others by 
one, sometimes maybe, you know, sometimes two phases. Um, and this is resulting in some vaccine tourism. <laughs> um, people are crossing state lines in order to get the vaccine sooner. What rebels? <laughs> it's really interesting. Um, there are a few states that have officially opened up their vaccinations to out-of-staters. Like you can call and make an appointment and it's totally above the board. Um, you're not like breaking any rules in order to get your vaccine. Um, but this has started raising questions about who gets priority and where, um, because certain folks in those states aren't currently eligible because they're not at their phase yet. But there are people from other states coming who do qualify for the current phase that those states are in. Um, so, for example, Washington, D.C. has administered 24,000 doses to non-residents. Ohio's done 18,000. Illinois has also done 18,000. And Florida has done 52,000. Oh, Florida. Um, <laughs> I would cross state lines to get one myself, of course. Mm -hmm. um, but these states should not be allowing this. Give the vaccines to the people who pay taxes there. Look out for your own people. Yeah, but... These are federal vaccines. So I like I understand where you're coming from because I've had this um, I've had this same like kind of uh, crisis where I've been like, if it were available to me in another state, would I go? And like you, I'm inclined to say yes. On the other hand, I'm like, should I would I be taking it away from anyone there? Yeah, you are. And monster. <laughs> but I think the reasoning behind why some states are allowing it is that these are a federal supply. It's not, um, you know, the states are not getting the vaccines. The country is and is then doling it out to the states. I definitely get it if you're in a high risk category and mm -hmm. you're in a state that is really fucking slow. Yeah. Like in like in Georgia, we're still in 1A. <laughs> um, so I could see why if you were high risk in another category and there was a state that you could get to that was doing your phase. I, I can understand why you'd go. But I guess that's like, it's like a privilege thing too, right? Because not everybody can afford to or can right. travel for whatever reason. I'm also a little confused. Like, are these by accident, these out-of-staters? Because there's a quote from Florida's governor, Ron DeSantis, and he said, we're only doing shots for Florida residents. You've got to live here either full-time or at least part-time. Maybe they're not verifying if you're truly a resident or not. Or like, what's the definition of part time? Like you go to Disney World three times a year. Like, yeah. Like... <laughs> you rolling up with your annual pass. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for pricking me. I'm going to Disney World. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I think that's hard, too, because I think when you get down to states, every state's definitions for what counts as a full time resident could be different. Right. And. Florida being the tourism hub that it is, I would not be surprised if their definition was more relaxed than most other states. Yeah. Yeah. True. And I can see DeSantis wanting to get by on that technicality. Yeah. It is interesting because um, for these states that are being relatively open with out-of-staters, there are also a number of states that are being really strict and requiring like ID verification of an address to show that you actually live there. I know a couple of folks in the Discord have mentioned that. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's pretty wild. It's like the Wild West out there right now. The Hunger Games. Yeah, I guess maybe they scan the ID or something. But what if you brought a fake ID? Like... <laughs> 
can you imagine? Like, remember, we were kids and we were like, oh, I'm going to get a fake ID to buy yeah. alcohol. Yeah. And now the kids are like, I'm going to get a fake ID to get a vaccine. <laughs> <laughs> I had a fake ID. I wish I still had it. I don't know where it is. It always worried me that I couldn't find it because I, I, I was afraid that one day my parents were going to find it and be like, Andrew, how dare you? Okay. I, was it a good fake ID and how much did you pay for it? <laughs> I doubt I paid much. This is when I was some poor little kid, like 17 years old. Was it good? Uh, no. Somebody scanned it uh, at a bar across the street from Disneyland, and I had a heart attack because it didn't scan. But then he took Matt's, who was over the age of 21. It did scan. So he was like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> uh, he, I think he like literally shrugged. Was like, oh, whatever. One of them's got a legit ID. <laughs> so in some other COVID news, I just wanted to, wanted to mention that the CDC issued new mask guidelines revealing that transmission of the virus can be reduced by up to 96.5% if both an infected individual and an uninfected individual wear tightly fitted surgical masks or a cloth and surgical mask combination. And of course, with that double masking, it sounds like one of them has to be surgical. But we've heard some other information about uh, two masks w- working better than one. So this past weekend, I actually started double masking. And it's not that much harder. You got to find two masks that kind of gel well together. And it pulls on your ears a little more, I think, especially if you're wearing yeah. two different types of masks. But I liked it. It wasn't like it didn't make it harder to breathe, for me at least. Have you guys been doing it or have you been tempted I've been double masking for the last um, week or so as well. I- I'm so glad to hear you say that it pulls your ears forward more because I've had the same experience and yeah. I'm like, what's wrong with me? <laughs> um, but no, I have uh, I have a cloth mask and then I uh, layer it with a surgical mask underneath. Okay, I have not, but I, I have a few people in my life that have been doing this for months and getting mm-hmm. a lot of shit for it. So now they feel validated, but they're also yep. mad that <laughs> this, these couldn't yeah. have come out when they were getting made fun of. You know, so, I was giving people who were double masking the side eye, honestly, yeah. early on, because I it just seemed like overkill to me. But I also thought wearing a mask at the beginning felt very strange. So you just get used to these things. Let's look at what's been happening in pop culture I have a new segment here. This week in Cancelled. It was a big week for (laughs) cancellations. What happened with Joss? One of you two want to take that? I can mention it. So Joss Whedon um, is currently going through, I I think, something similar to what J.K. Rowling went through a few months ago um, and, you know, subsequently pulled the Harry Potter fandom through. I think a lot of... Um, like Buffy fans are feeling the same way that we were this time last year about J.K. Rowling. Um, it turns out that he's a trash human being. <laughs> um, another one of those who creates really brilliant content that you can, of course, still enjoy and still consume, but you have to do so with the acknowledgement that he's abused his power on set for a really long time. Um, The most recent example came from uh, one of the cast members of Buffy and later Angel, who said that um, he disparaged her when she informed him that she was pregnant. Yeah. And he started making certain implications about what she may or may not do with her pregnancy that made her very uncomfortable. Um, And she detailed um, 
an experience that's really consistent with the pattern of um, abuse that we've seen reported from other cast members. I know that there was someone um, who was recently let go from uh, Justice League. Pam, am I right on that? Uh, Ray Fisher? Yes. Ray Fisher, yeah. I was going to say Jordan Fisher, but that's somebody else. That's right. And that that was in connection... Um, it sounded like to an investigation that's going on into Joss Whedon's um, behavior on set. Um, this seems to have been coming for a while. It feels like over the last couple of years, we've heard more and more reports about Joss Whedon being a pretty um, manipulative and abusive person to work with. And it's, you know, disappointing. Also, Gina Carano has been let go from the Star Wars TV show The Mandalorian. She played Cara Dune, a Rebel Alliance soldier, I believe is the correct term. She got canceled because she had been tweeting for months basically every stupid far-right talking point. Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill himself. The election was stolen. And worst of all, and this is what did it for Disney, she compared being a Republican to being a victim of the Holocaust. She deleted it, uh, I don't know, the following day or something, but it was too late. The damage had been done. And interestingly, Disney was actually ready to give her her own Mandalorian spinoff, and they were going to announce it in December when they announced a bunch of other stuff uh, for Disney+. Plus. But then uh, she started tweeting all this crazy stuff, really starting in November, and that's when they realized, okay, you know what? We're not going to give her her own show. She's now teamed up with the right-wing loser Ben Shapiro for a movie, and she said, they can't cancel us if we don't let them. And of course, uh, people like Ted Cruz, who hate cancel culture, um, uh, are very mad about this. Ted is especially mad because Gina's from Texas, so he hates seeing uh, somebody from Texas be affected by cancel culture. But look, I mean, here's what it comes down to. When you say things, you are responsible for your words. You're responsible for your actions. You can't say anything and expect for employment to continue. If one of us said something here on the show entirely offensive, the other two would be like, you need to go. That's how the world works. You're responsible for what you say. Maybe cancel culture isn't the best way to phrase it because the right uses that phrase as a way to like make it look like the left is always attacking people and they make sport out of it. We just want people to be held accountable for their actions. I think we can call it the free market. Because they yeah, fucking right. love the free market. I'm like, hey, um, the free market told you what they think about you and they don't want to hire you anymore. Go just it's, sign it's up for your Ben Shapiro movie. Yeah. Have fun. It's part of having a job. Disney's your boss and he can fire you. I was just going to say very quickly that I, I, I think that there's a lot that's wrong with cancel culture. It's not a perfect system. But I do think that in some instances, it's kind of deserved. Well, I mean, Gina Carano was one of the fuck your pronouns crowd. Yeah. Yes. I mean, that was another issue. And apparently Pedro Pascal, her co-star, reportedly tried to teach her about the importance of pronouns. Um, And then in the midst of all this going on in the last few days, his sister came out as trans. So I can't imagine what sort of toxic workplace environment that might have created for him and his family, you know? Yeah, true. I mean, like, that's the whole thing, right? Everybody has a right to their own opinion, but that shouldn't give you a hall pass to be an asshole. Right. 
you know? And I think that that's like, that's what the disconnect lies. Like nobody's saying that these people have to change their way of thinking. Like, would it be nice? Yeah, but unrealistic. But you shouldn't make other people feel miserable just because like you want to spew out whatever hatred pops into your head. Right. Agreed. And uh, Zian in our Discord right now is saying that their argument was free speech. And yes, you are welcome to say whatever the hell you want. Just recognize that there might be consequences for saying certain things. Right. Yep. And Disney being a private company is free to fire your ass if you say something they don't like. Yeah. They also may have been okay with firing Gina because... She isn't that great of an actress, at least not on The Mandalorian. <laughs> Everybody hated her on that show. I mean, my timeline was was overjoyed that they let go of her, and not just because of all these comments she's made on social media, but also her character on the show has just been boring. Yeah, it, it had been a long time coming because even when um, when they announced that she was going to be returning for season two, so this must have been like at least a year ago, Twitter was uh, a light with people talking about how she's a toxic human. It's this is not mm-hmm. like the these the comments that she made recently is what you know got her fired. But it's not like she had been quiet about how she felt about certain things before. Yeah. you know, two months ago or whatever. Final point I'll make on this, Pam. You mentioned you know there are some issues with cancel culture, and I agree. I think the the biggest issue with cancel culture is how quickly people react to certain things said by certain people who are allegedly being canceled. Because, you know, sometimes words and phrases are taken out of context. Sometimes people just don't read much into the story. They just read a headline. So especially there, I think there's a big issue with cancel culture. But I also really like cancel culture. (laughs) I like us as a society deciding, you know what, that person is a problem. And let's just forget that they happened. And honestly, in terms of like the entertainment industry, I think that the best way to kind of combat something that you don't agree with is to throw your money at something else. Honestly, Hollywood could still keep and they will still keep hiring and employing problematic people. But you don't have to spend your money on something that that person is in. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of Pedro Pascal, um, there's some really great news for video game fans, specifically if you're a fan of The Last of Us. In the last week, we found out that Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey have been cast in The Last of Us adaption on HBO. Um, fun fact, Ted Cruz's college roommate is the creator <laughs> of this adaption. What? Um, he, also, he also did Chernobyl. Um, so if you've seen Chernobyl, you know that was great. And I feel like he has the perfect tone to pull off The Last of Us. But I'm so excited about this casting because this is just, I think, it's perfect casting. I love Pedro Pascal. He is such an amazing actor. I feel like he was only in like six episodes of Game of Thrones. But he was so good and so captivating that he has a better post-Game of Thrones career than anyone else on Game of Thrones. Um, And then Bella Ramsey, who was also on Game of Thrones, she was little Leanna Mormont. And I just see her being perfect as Ellie. So I'm really, really excited about this. I'm glad you and many others are excited. I tried to get into Last of Us. It was just too grim and dark for me. 
so I I passed on it, but I know it's a huge game, the first one in the sequel, which was released in 2020. So uh, I'm happy for all the fans. And just a recommendation, um, if you are a fan and you haven't done this or you're considering picking up The Last of Us, um, I would also recommend playing The Last of Us 1's um, downloadable content. It's a short game called Left Behind, and it's basically the story about what happened to Ellie um, surrounding the time of the incident <laughs> that occurred that kicked off the whole story of The Last of Us. So Ooh, okay. definitely recommend that. It's really good. Mm-hmm. You get more insight on her character. Speaking of things to check out, I checked out the movie Barb and Star Go to Vista Del Mar over the weekend. This is one of those movies that was supposed to go into theaters, didn't. So it just went straight to rent renting platforms, which means since it's a brand new movie, it's $20 to rent. That is a lot of money. It's frustrating, but at the same time, it's not much more or maybe cheaper than a night out at the movies where you don't talk with the person you're going with. Um, Pam, have you seen this? It's at least been on your radar. It's on my radar. I have not seen it yet. This is the Kristen Wiig one, right? Yes. She stars in it. She also wrote it alongside her uh, co-star. It is really, really good. I decided to check it out because of all the really good reviews. It's just also really fucking weird. Like, if you're going to watch it and you smoke, I definitely recommend smoking while watching it because I think that that will make the movie a lot better for you. Like another movie I recommended about a month ago, I don't want to give too many details because it goes in a direction that you're not expecting. So just watch it. Enjoy. It's going to be weird, but you're going to laugh. And uh, this might be a new classic comedy. It's just it's just so out there and different. A lot of people are going to eat it up. And that is my recommendation this week. And then very quickly, in news that is very exciting to me, Taylor Swift does not quit. And she's going to release her first re-recorded album in April. So she announced this on Thursday. It was kind of like a surprise announcement. And this is just a big deal because this is the first of the re-recorded albums that she had promised she would be doing following the drama surrounding who owns her masters. So if you're a Taylor Swift fan, uh, you can listen to her newly recorded version of Love Story right now. This is also a track that was featured in Ryan Reynolds's commercial for Match.com. Did you guys see this commercial? It was really funny. Yeah. Yeah. So it good. was really well done. <laughs> so check that out if you haven't yet. A little bonus recommendation because it's it's uh it's a good time. And um that's pretty much it. She she originally had only 13 tracks on the album. She has upped that to 26 for the re-release. Six songs have never been released before, so that's really cool. It's a good incentive for you to check it out. And I don't know, I just think that even if you don't like her as an artist or you don't like her music, it's just really cool that she is taking control of the situation in you know, such a big way. And I really just feel like, you know, her standing up for this and like sticking to her guns is going to be really influential in terms of younger artists that come after her. We're already sort of starting to see that even with like, you know, Olivia Rodrigo, for example, whose driver's license is absolutely everywhere. And I just think that that's really cool. Yeah, this is a massive task. And uh, it's really interesting to follow I like seeing so far already, and this is what I look forward to seeing with the remaining albums and songs on this album, um, what Taylor does with these songs when she's recreating them. Now, I'm not the world's biggest Taylor Swift fan. I can hear some differences. I'm sure the most dedicated fans will know every single little difference between the, uh, the two versions of Love Story, but it is interesting to see how she 
ages up the music, so to speak, to match current Taylor and, you know, her vocal abilities, her band's abilities. So it's going to be really fun to watch. And I like that she's calling all the songs Taylor's version. It's kind of like homey and cute. I agree. Do you know, Pam, are all the old versions of the songs eventually going to go away from like Spotify? I don't think so. I guess she wouldn't so have because, that power. Yeah. yeah, because she won't have that power. But they're all labeled. Like if you go on Spotify right now, it's really funny because all of her old albums have this big machine banner on the album right yeah, now. Yeah, we spoke about that, yeah, I think, on the show. It's yeah. so tacky looking. It is really tacky. And I think it's really smart. I know that you mentioned like some slight differences, and I think you can definitely tell in terms of the quality of her voice, which has obviously gone up since she's older. But I think that what it has really worked in her favor is that for the most part, the instrumental is very, very similar, which means that she's making the versions that she doesn't own obsolete you know yeah that's so smart yeah so there's going to be no um reason why somebody needs to go listen to you know like the original instrumental version of fearless because she's like recreated it and and recorded it with 2021 you know technology so it's all going to sound better like the drums sound really good on the new recorded yeah. version. It just sounds really nice and full. So, and by the way, this hint about when the album would be released was like way too obvious, which uh, kind of made for, it tacky. For Taylor, yeah, I mean, yeah, usually exactly. she does like she goes all out and uh, yeah. Did you say what she did? Sorry, I may have missed oh, it. Um, no, I was I skipped it because I was trying to uh, save some time since we're running a little late. But but she wrote this really long, very nice letter talking about why she was doing the re-recorded versions and why the album was going to be a couple tracks longer. And over the course of this very long letter, she capitalized certain letters and then those are the only letters that are capitalized and they spell out April 9th. So that's how we know the album is dropping on <laughs> she, April 9th. Gosh, I wonder what cipher. this could mean. Yeah, I mean, like, <laughs> as far as, like, Taylor Swift breadcrumbs go, this was, like, yeah. the easiest clue <laughs> to figure yeah. out. She's but... been releasing so much, she just ran out of new ideas. Yeah, she ran so out she of ideas. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lauren and I already issued our recommendations. So, Pam, what is yours this week? Uh, mine's just a very quick PSA, which is that uh, Disney's Rodgers and Hammerstein Cinderella, the version that's stars brandy and whitney houston is on disney plus and i watched this over the weekend That's and right. it's so good it's so good it still holds up um it's it's just That's a great good. cast all around like Whoopi goldberg's in it victor garber jason alexander it's it, bernadette peters it's really good it's a good time i'm so excited to revisit that yeah i've seen a lot of people freaking out about it i haven't seen it so i'll have to check it out the special effects are not very good. I'm just going to warn you right now. Oh, that's it, all right. It wasn't was it made, from the 90s? Yeah, 2000s? and it was made for TV. So <laughs> some of it's kind of a little. Oh, but yeah. it's really good. And it's a, very enjoyable. Well, before we wrap, we just wanted to say that today's episode has been sponsored by listeners like you. If you're interested in being able to participate in our Discord chat while we're streaming live, you can do that uh, by heading over to patreon.com slash millennial. Um, there are other benefits over there like our variety show, which we just recorded one a few days ago. We did um, Valentine's Day themed quizzes for that, and it was a lot of fun. Um, there's also our flagship benefit After Dark, which we'll be getting into here in a few minutes. On today's After Dark, we're going to be talking about the worst advice we've ever gotten. <laughs> so that should be a good time. Yeah. So that'll be available in today's After Dark, which you can get through a special RSS feed once you become a patron. And you can take that RSS feed and pop it into many popular podcasting apps. 
We would also appreciate if you left us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to Millennial. You can contact us by writing to millennialshow at gmail.com or using the contact form on millennialshow.com. And don't forget, we have our confessional there as well. Also, follow us on social media to stay abreast of the latest millennial news. There's something I'm tracking right now behind the scenes. I don't want to reveal what it is. I already told these two, but I'm on edge. And the whole the main event occurs in like a week or two. So I'm very nervous about it. It concerns the show and our show branding. I don't want to say any more, but I'll update everybody once we find out the outcome in a couple weeks. Are you trying to scare people? (laughs) No, no. I'll be very excited by it. It's not a big deal probably to a lot of people, but to me it is. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I'm Andrew. I'm Laura. And I'm Pamela. Goodbye.